Welcome to the PMPA Speaking of Precision podcast, featuring your hosts, Carly Kistler-Miller and Miles Free. Hello, I'm Miles Free, and welcome to PMPA Speaking of Precision, Mailbag Edition. Carly Kistler-Miller has joined me today, and we're going to talk about what are the factors responsible for changing the microstructure of metals. Thanks, Miles. Yep, so we found this question and just got to pose it to Miles because this is right in his wheelhouse. What are the factors responsible for the microstructure of metals and how many are there? Well, I'm not really sure how many, but we're going to find out pretty quick. <laughs> uh, the first one, I'm going to say there's five, maybe, maybe more than five. The first one is the ingredients. You can't make raisin bread without raisin. So composition is the first factor. And so if there's no carbon in the steel, it's not gonna be able to make a carbide phase. So the microstructure wouldn't have carbides. So composition is the first and most important because without the right ingredients, you can't get the right structure. That makes sense. All right, what's the second one? So cold work and hot work are two ways of altering the structure that's already in the metal. And when I say metal, dear listeners, I'm a steel guy. I'm sure that some of this stuff applies to aluminum, although they have way too many tempers, and it applies to the brass and copper metals as well. But when I say metal, chances are I'm talking about good old stick to it with a magnet, rust in moist air steel. So cold work and hot work can affect the uh, microstructure by either elongating the grains or compressing them. All right, we got composition, we got cold or hot work. What's another one? Now it gets exciting. Everybody that wants to do anything with steel loves to play with fire. And temperature and time are the epitome of fire in steelworking. Temperature and time work together because how much time elapses when the materials at temperature is what affects the structure. So simply put, when we warm the steel, when we increase the temperature of the steel, the first effect on the microstructure isn't visible, but it's called relaxation. It's, we can't see it, but we can determine that it happened because the material has lower hardness or lower mechanical strength like uh, tensile strength. So the way we would see this on a test report, this would be called a stress relief anneal or a SRA, or just a stress relief. If we continue to hold the steel at a high enough temperature, the steel will actually recrystallize. The grains that were deformed by our cold work are consumed by larger, more equal-oriented grains. We call it equiax. And the grains grow, but they don't really change phase in, in the steel. A lamellar perlite anneal is an example of this. The strength goes down and the ductility increases. Next, we get grain growth. As the time at temperature extends, the grains that we just recrystallize 
tend to grow or to coarsen. That's usually not a desired uh, characteristic in our product. And another step that happens, which I consider to be a brand new, uh, another factor, is chemical depletion. If we keep that steel hot enough, long enough, we can actually evaporate the carbon out of the surface layers. Huh. And so it's decarburized. Okay. And that's a change in structure because all of a sudden there's no carbon near the surface. Makes sense. And what happens with that is now I can't get the hardness I was expecting because I've depleted that, um, that, that carbon phase out of that. Okay, so I'm counting that's the fourth one. Is there another one? Well, um, yeah, so the stainless steels, there's a group of stainless steels that precipitate uh, a product that changes the mechanical properties. So 17,4 pH stainless steel actually changes structure by a precipitation hardening effect. Wow. Any other? Well, we're almost all done. I know of one more, and I suspect I may pull a rabbit out of the hat. So now what we can talk about are quenching effects. Ah, okay. So again, we're talking steels. We've been talking about holding them at a high temperature for a long time. What if we get them to a very high temperature, get all the ingredients into solution, and then we quench it? In oil or water in modern times, in old times, they would quench a good sword in a slave. So quenching can radically change the microstructure of the steel. Quenching is rapid removal of heat, and that's what is responsible for the hardness we have in tools like knives, scissors, bearings, swords, stuff like that. <laughs> I didn't realize. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so the quenching in steel forms a thing called martensite. And martensite is, uh, we call it metastable. It's, it's not really an uh, equilibrium product. And so we need to temper it to reduce the stresses. Otherwise, the steel is very brittle, almost like glass. Untempered martensite is very, very um, unstable and, and dangerous for use in applications. So we would temper it, and the tempering would um, alter the microstructure, but certainly the properties considerably. Is there anything else? I get, that's six. That's six factors. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, we beat five. We you beat did five. beat five. So I have experience with the prior six. There's one area in my career I haven't had any experience with, and that's the effect of nuclear radiation on steel. Oh, I'm glad you haven't had experience yeah. with that. So are my neighbors. <laughs> I believe that under high neutron flux, the material can be embrittled. So I suspect that the nuclear radiation is the seventh factor that can alter the microstructure of metals, in particular the steel that I'm experienced with. Very nice. All right, well, seven factors. You answered that question extremely well. Well, that, that was 
a pretty clear question. Composition, cold or hot work, time and temperature, chemical depletion like by decarburization, precipitation treatments, quenching effects, and I suspect nuclear radiation. Well, that's great. So that was a very long question. We're just going to have that one question on today's edition of Speaking with Precision, Mailbag Edition. That wraps it up. Thank you for joining us. For additional information, please visit pmpa.org. Yes, thank you for joining us. Please rate and review the podcast. And if you want to make your life a little easier, you can subscribe to our podcast so you never miss one. I'm glad because I don't want anyone to miss, miss them either. Speaking of making your life easier, if you aren't already taking advantage of PMPA membership, be sure to check out pmpa.org to see all we have to offer. Why is PMPA membership important, Carly? Because, because we, we are, are better, better together. together. Don't forget to join us next Monday on Speaking of Precision, Monday with Miles. <laughs>